0: All right, well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for coming. Great to be with you again today to share the Scriptures and some truth from the Word of God. Um, I'm going to be continuing on my series of Fundamentals of the Faith. And really, what I'm trying to do is take a high-level overview of the truth contained in the Word of God. So I have picked a number of... Topics, number of subjects that I'm trying to go through so we can understand what the main fundamental truth of the Word of God is. Just by summary of the previous topics that we've already discussed, I just want to take a quick uh, walk through this slide. We talked about the character and attributes of God that God is the very source of life. We talked about the authority of the Bible. The book that you hold in your hand is the holy inspired word of God. It's different than every other book. It is God's divine truth. We talked about the origin of sin and how sin came into the world and how it's, it's really affected the entire human race. We talked about Adam and his sons And the last time that I was on this subject, we spoke about two kingdoms, two federal heads, and two destinies. Well, today, I really want to share with you God's plan for the ages, built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and I want to take up one chapter in particular that I think is a an all-encompassing view of God's plan for the ages. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So turn with me please to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we're going to read a number of verses from this passage. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare or announce unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, and which you have also received, and in which ye stand, by which ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen of Cephas, that's Peter, and of the twelve, the disciples. After that, He was seen of above 500 brethren at once of which the greater part remain unto this present time, some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James. That's possibly the Lord's brother. Then of all the apostles, notice verse 8, and last of all, he was seen of me as one born out of due time. Paul had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's drop down to verse 20. First Corinthians 15 and verse 20. It says, But now Christ is risen from the dead, and has become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterwards they that are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign, till he hath put all enemies under his feet. Notice verse 26. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he shall have put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is expected who did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Now drop down to verse 45. Here's a huge contrast. As it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam, that's Jesus Christ, was made a life-giving spirit. However, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven, or some versions say, out of heaven. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy, and as is the heavenly, Such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, so we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. That word mystery is something that previously was veiled, was hidden, and now it is unveiled. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, as in death, but we shall all be changed. Notice verse twenty or 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be unto God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, in light of everything that is passed in this chapter, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is a treatise. It is a historical account supporting evidence of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not only that. It actually shows all the benefits that are available to every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. The benefits of the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what I want to submit to you today is this. God's plan for the ages is built on the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is a absolute, solid, firm foundation that can never fail. In fact, the entire Christian faith is built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is our hope. So let me just quickly summarize for you what we have in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We have God's plan for the ages. This chapter takes us from the cross, where Christ died for our sins, right through to the kingdom, where we will reign with Christ forever. This chapter takes us even from creation, because Paul reaches back to the first Adam, as far back as creation, and he takes us in summary to the consummation of the age, when it will all be wrapped up and God will be all in all and all enemies will be put under his feet. So I submit to you that 1 Corinthians 15 is a summary of God's plan for the ages. The beginning of this chapter lays out for us the fundamental truth of the Bible. Verse three says very clearly, this is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. If you were to say, what's the main message of the Bible? This is it right here. Christ died for our sins and he was buried why is that important to prove to the skeptics that he wasn't just a phantom he actually died he was buried in the grave for three days and on the third day god raised him from the dead this is the fundamental truth of the bible as you sit here comfortably in this church today I want to tell you confidently and categorically, Christ died for our sins. You know, the Bible says that once, in the end of the age, he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And the Bible says that by this, God demonstrated his love to us while we were yet sinners christ died for us and the bible also says now god commands all men everywhere to repent why because he has appointed a day that he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained and has given assurance unto all men In that he raised him from the dead. Brethren and sisters, I want to share with you today the fundamentals of the Bible truth, all built on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This chapter shows us that our sin, every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ, our sin has been put away, it's gone and a redemption has been purchased. And death, that, that awful arch enemy of every one of us, death has been destroyed. Mortals shall put on immortality. That is amazing. As we sit here in this room, and our our pulse is beating, and our little heart is ticking. If the Lord doesn't come, we're all going to die. But every believer in Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead to put on immortality and to reign with Christ forever. That is amazing. Death has been swallowed up in victory. And our hope is, is secure in Jesus Christ. We we don't hope in something that's fickle. We don't hope in something like we say, well, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. (laughs) that's, That's pretty flimsy hope. Our hope is secure, steadfast, unmovable, unchanging. The word for hope in the Bible is confident expectation. This is going to happen because God has ordained it. I want to hang my thoughts on four things that are in this chapter that are referred to on the screen. Number one, the last witness. In verse 8, Paul referred to himself as the last eyewitness of the resurrected Christ. Sure, he was seen by all of these people. And then in verse 8, Paul says, last of all, he was seen of me. I am a personal witness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then I want to share with you from verse 26, the last enemy, death. It is destroyed. And that is phenomenal for us. Thirdly, I want to contrast the first Adam, the federal head of all sinners, to the last Adam. And the difference is staggering, outstanding. The first Adam failed. And the last Adam is flawless. Absolutely flawless in all of his perfection. And then I want to share with you the last trumpet. Four last things in 1 Corinthians 15. The last witness, the last enemy, the last Adam, and the last trumpet. And to these four points hang God's plan for the ages. You know, in Paul's day, there was many skeptics. Do you think there's any today? <laughs> there's a lot. In those days, there were people that would say, we don't believe in resurrection. In those days, there were people that would say, Jesus never rose from the dead. Paul writes to this church and to the church at large to categorically prove beyond the shadow of a doubt that Christ rose from the dead and that he's alive. You know, Paul himself was an eyewitness of the resurrection. Paul went to great lengths to articulate the historical evidence of the resurrection of Christ. First of all, he says, you know, he was seen of Peter. What about Peter? Peter had denied the Lord. Peter, Peter just felt weak and shameful, and he just felt like he had failed miserably. What do you think it was like when the Lord appeared to Peter personally? Oh, what a strengthening encouragement he gave Peter. You know, Peter was able to go that next 40 days and stand confidently and preach the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he saw him personally. How about John? John runs that morning to the sepulcher And he comes and he stoops down and he goes in. You know what it says about John in John chapter 20? It says he saw and believed. He was a personal eyewitness of the fact that Christ rose from the dead. How about Mary? Mary stands outside and she's weeping. They've taken away my Lord. And Jesus says, Mary, wow. What what, what a a moment of revelation it was when Mary stands and she sees the risen Christ. How about Thomas? I I will not believe. I will not believe. Unless I see the print of the nail in his hand, I, I will not believe. And Jesus comes that morning and stands before Thomas and he says, Thomas, Look at my hands and my side, and be not faithless, but believing. What about Thomas? Wow, my Lord and my God. 500 men, 500 at one time saw the Lord Jesus Christ. You try to convince 500 people that he's not alive. The greater part when Paul writes this book are alive to this day. Eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Christ. How about Paul? Paul? Paul is a Pharisee. He is bound and determined to stamp out Christianity. He's gonna to torture these Christians. He's gonna lock them up in prison. He's gonna put them to death. He, he's on a mission and he's outside of Damascus. What happens? You know the story. Acts chapter nine. Paul tells it again in Acts 22. He tells it again in Acts 26. What is it? He had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And it revolutionized his thinking, changed him forever. It was so personal to Paul. Here's what he says. Last of all, he was seen of me. Paul is is on his way to torture Christians and that light shines and, and Paul falls to the ground And he says, who art thou, Lord? He says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. (laughs) At that very moment, everything changed for Paul. Could I just stop and ask each one of you today, have you had a moment in your life when you have personally believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you know what? That is critical. That right there is the pivotal point for your future for all eternity. Getting to the point where regardless of everybody else, you personally have believed that Jesus Christ, God's Son, died for my sins, was buried, and rose again. You know what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is an undeniable promise, the truth of the word of God. On, uh, on Friday night, I was uh, on Spring Garden Road giving out some tracts. And there was this older man walking down the street. Completely unassuming. He was an older gentleman. I would say probably close to 60. And uh, I call that old. Okay, sorry. Okay, sorry. Sorry. Cut the tape. Back this up. Back this up. So funny. He's walking down the street and I give him this track. And this little card says, are you saved? He stops. And he looks at this track. He looks at me, flips it over, and he starts to read. And I saw him look up into the sky, and he was in deep thought for a moment. And he turned to me and he said, emphatically, as a matter of fact, I am saved by the grace of God. I don't usually get that response. So I was, I was kind of taken back. and he says to me, do you want to hear my story? I said, yeah, I do. That man began to share with me his past. It was awful. Where he was, addicted to drugs and alcohol abuse, and had just lived a life of sin and bondage. He told us that he was a cocaine addict. He said one night he came home, and to his horror, he found his wife with another man, and he lost it. He burnt the house down, And the man escaped, but his wife died in that fire. He was charged with manslaughter, and he did five years in a federal penitentiary. And he said that the guilt that just overwhelmingly gripped him made him feel so awful, so dark, that there was no hope for him. And then he said that he heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, this one verse hit me so hard. I said, what was the verse? His eyes welled up with tears and he looked at me and he said, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And he said, by God's grace, I'm saved. And that man had a sense of peace Even though his past was horrific, he had a sense of peace that his sins were forgiven. Do you know what I want to tell you today? This is very personal. Every single one of us needs to come to a point where we have believed on Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we stand on it. That's what he says, wherein you have received this, and you stand on it. You have confident faith in Jesus Christ and nothing will deter you from it. Paul was what he called himself as the last witness of Jesus Christ. I want to speak to you about the last enemy. Verse 26 says, The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. Do you know what it says in Romans 5 and 12? It says, as by one man, sin entered the world, and death came by sin. And so death passed on all men, for all have sinned. Do you know why we're going to die? Because of sin. Sin has destroyed our entire world. Death is awful. There's three aspects of death. Number one, It's spiritual. It's separation from God. And there are so many people in this world that have no relationship with God. They're walking around physically alive, spiritually dead. They're separated from God. That's what sin does. Secondly, sin brings physical death. It's awful to see a loved one die. It's just so so dreadful. My heart goes out to Gabriel this morning. His mother just passed away. It's so awful, because there's that physical aspect where the body sees corruption and decays. But then there's the third aspect of death, which is eternal death. The second death, which is beyond our comprehension. You can read about it in Revelation 20 and verse 14. Death destroys us. But here's the good news. Christ Jesus came into the world to destroy death. To destroy death. You know what it says in 2 Timothy chapter one? It says that he has abolished death. Jesus Christ came from heaven to abolish death. Death. That's our great enemy. It's the last enemy that every single one of us will face if the Lord doesn't come. Praise God. Jesus Christ has abolished death. You know how he did that? Hebrews chapter two and verse 14. You know what it says? It says he became flesh so that through death he could destroy. Him that had the power of death, even Satan, our enemy, and deliver those who were all their lifetimes subject to bondage. The good news is God's plan for the ages is that through Jesus Christ, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the last enemy of our souls has been destroyed. That's amazing. I want to share with you particularly today the contrast between the first Adam and the last Adam. Do you remember we talked about the federal head? Remember we talked about how because of sin, we all inherited this sinful nature under Adam? Well, Christ has, came, has come to restore all that he took not away so that we can be in Christ, and no longer in Adam. We read these verses in 1 Corinthians 15 um, and verse 45 down to verse 50 about the contrast. What a contrast. We are presented with two men. men. One of them is God, but also a man. We are presented in this chapter with two men, The first Adam failed through disobedience. The last Adam is flawless. You know what it says in Isaiah? I think it's Isaiah 40, 42 maybe. It says, he shall not fail nor be discouraged. He will not fail. When Jesus Christ came into the world, he would not fail. He obeyed. Why did Adam fail? Because he disobeyed. And in Romans chapter five, it says, through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. And here's the good news. You can be made righteous. It doesn't matter what you've done, who, what, what your past is like, how awful your sin is. If you'd be willing to repent of your sin and believe in Jesus Christ, you can be made righteous today because the foundation has already been laid, which is Christ Jesus. The first Adam was of the earth, earthy. You know what the word Adam means in Hebrew? It it actually means taken out of the earth. It's it's the man that was red, ruddy, soil, was actually taken out of the earth and formed. That's what we are, dust, dust. We came from dust and unto dust we will return. The Hebrew word for Adam means man and what's inferred by that is that we came from the earth. Adam came out of the earth. But the last Adam came out of heaven. (laughs) This is amazing. He came out of heaven. This is God's son that came from heaven down to the earth he wasn't made of the same stuff that you and i are made of this is the lord god from heaven what a contrast adam it says in genesis 2 and 7 that god breathed into his nostrils a breath of life and he became a living soul he's going to die again but he became a living soul it says of the lord jesus he's a life-giving spirit You know the only one who can give life? God. Jesus Christ gives life. A life-giving spirit. You know what it says? In Adam, all die. If you have never placed faith in Jesus Christ, you are under the federal head of Adam with a death sentence that it says, in Adam, all die. But in Christ... All shall be made alive. What a hope. What a blessing to be in Christ. By Adam came death. By Christ came resurrection. Adam bears the image of the earth. The Lord Jesus bears the image of heaven. What would you rather bear? The image of the earth or the image of heaven? You know what? I want to share with you a couple of verses that are that are so thrilling to my soul because it gives such hope. Just just flip over to Philippians 3 for a second. This is the promise to every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3 verse 20, for our citizenship is in heaven. We're actually a citizen of heaven already from which also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our lowly body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ have this guaranteed Hope that they will have a body like unto the Lord Jesus. You know, if we were to go back to the beginning of 1 Corinthians 15, it makes a great point. It says that Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. What is that? It goes back to Leviticus chapter 23, where the children, the Israelites, were to have this, this feast. And it was the Feast of first fruits. When was it? The day after the Sabbath. The first day of the week. Incidentally, the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And what were they to do? They were to go out and they were to gather that first sheath of the harvest. And they were to present it to God. It was a pledge of a whole harvest to come. Do you know what the Lord Jesus Christ is? He is the first fruit of those that will be raised from the dead. And because Christ is raised, it is the pledge of a harvest to come. It is the guarantee that every single believer in Jesus Christ will be raised from the dead, never to see corruption again. It is the guarantee that we will be with him in heaven. I want to share with you 1 John chapter 3. I love this verse. 1 John chapter 3 is written by the beloved Apostle John who loved the Lord, walked with Him, and experienced Christ in a way that very many people never have. Here's what he says. Beloved, now are we the children of God. Right now. We are the children of God, those who believe on Him. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that has this hope in Him purifies himself even as he is pure. That is... That is absolutely thrilling. You know, I I want to tell you, this world in which we live, it's a sinking ship. It's it's heading for disaster. Okay? The future is not friendly, contrary to what Tellus says. The future is not friendly. Okay? Okay? The tribulation is coming. Judgment is going to hit this world. And God will judge the world in righteousness. Sin has totally destroyed this world. The business world, I can tell you, is corrupt. The world of sports and popularity and fame and entertainment is corrupt. Satan is the god of this age, and he has blinded the minds of them that believe not. And this world is like the Titanic. It's a sinking ship, and people are moving the furniture around on the deck. It's sinking. But I got got something for you that is amazing. The hope that we have in Christ is absolutely secure. And you know what? We're not looking for a future in this world. We're looking for the Lord himself to come from heaven at the last trumpet. The last trump. We've talked about the last witness, and I hope that every single one of us have been personal believers in Jesus Christ. We've talked about the last enemy of our souls, which is death. And thank God, by the cross, he has destroyed death. We've talked about the last Adam who came to rescue and restore and redeem this world of corruption and has done it flawlessly. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm looking for the last trumpet. I'm looking for that day when the sky will break and the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel you know what it says the trump of god you know this word trump it's actually a military term and when they used it it signified rise up depart that's what it meant the trump when the trumpet was sounded the company would rise up it was time to depart. This is the last trump, and it's not a trump of man; it's the trump of God. You know, if you were to go to first, uh, first Thessalonians chapter four and verse sixteen, you would read these words: "The Lord Himself." He's not sending an angel. No, this is the Lord Himself is going to descend. Catch this, guys! This could happen today. This. Think of how this would revolutionize your week. This could happen today. This could happen today. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and the trumpet of God will sound, and the dead in Christ, those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, will rise first. And we which are alive and remain, will be caught up, snatched up. That's where you get the word rapture. Snatched up. How long is this going to take? In a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, how long does it take to blink your eye? That fast. Everything will be changed. The last trump. The dead in Christ will rise. Those that are alive and remain will be snatched up. And catch this, this mortal will put on immortality. I'm living in a body with an expiry date. So are you. Okay, Uh, nobody knows when we're gonna die. But one day, I'm mortal. You know, they talk about the mortality rate. We're all mortals. But catch this. Every believer in this company that has believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will put on immortality. (laughs) That is beyond our comprehension. This corruption will put on incorruption. And we shall all be changed. This is God's plan for the ages. Sin has destroyed this world. I gotta tell you, Sin has destroyed me. And I also say this to you respectfully. Sin has destroyed you. How do I know that? Because I know me. And we're all the same. We, left to ourselves, we will self-destruct. We are miserable wretches. But God's plan for the ages is he came to rescue us. He came to redeem us. The last enemy will be destroyed, is death. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, God's plan for the ages is secure. And at this very moment, the trumpet of God could sound. The dead, the loved ones, your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your cousins, all the loved ones that you have buried that have believed in Jesus Christ. I think of Gabriel right now. His mother just died. This is the hope that we have secure and steadfast. It will never fail. The loved ones that we have laid to rest, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, will be raised up. And catch this. We will meet the Lord in the air. Now, I I have thought about how this is all going to happen. I'm driving down the road. I'm on an airplane you're working, you're at school, every we're all doing stuff and the Lord comes. The Lord himself descends from heaven and he shouts and we will hear a trumpet. The last trump. Everything's changed. You're not going to have to worry about that new assignment. Imagine imagine CNN the next day. Millions of people have disappeared from this world. What's going on? The Lord has come. Folks, this is a reality. The last trump, the Lord himself, will come. The dead in Christ will be raised, and those that are walking around that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ will be caught up and immediately will be changed. This this body of corruption will be changed, fashioned like unto his glorious body, and we will be with Christ forever. You know what the scripture says? Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Folks, this is a ministry of comfort. You might think that your life is a mess, and maybe it is, I don't know. You might think you're in a dead-end street, and you're going nowhere. I'm gonna tell you something. If you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, your future is brighter than you can possibly imagine. You will be changed and you will have a body fashioned like unto his glorious body and we will ever be with the Lord. You know what those last verses are, 1 Corinthians 15? They they are so encouraging. It says that this corruptible will have put on incorruption and this mortal immortality So that the saying that is written, death, which we think is awful, is swallowed up in victory. A person that has believed on Christ can stare death in the face and can say, death, where is your sting? Grave, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the summary statement that gives us strength, encouragement to go on every single day. Therefore, my beloved brethren, because of the hope that you have in front of you, because of the security that you have for your soul, because of all that Christ has accomplished, don't be discouraged. Be steadfast, unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. We have a bright, bright future. You know, each one of us that have been to the cross and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, we've had a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can say with Paul, I've seen him by the eye of faith through the scriptures. I've been at the empty tomb, he's alive. We can say that the last enemy of our souls has already been destroyed. We look for the last Adam who will change our lowly bodies of corruption. And we are listening for the last trump. When the trumpet of God will sound and we will be changed, we will be caught up together And we will ever be with the Lord. What an encouraging ministry. God's plan for the ages. You know what? Our hope rests secure in the person of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the word of God. And we thank you for the encouragement that we have knowing that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we, we know that he rose from the dead. As the first fruits of a great harvest that is to come. And it gives us security and certainty knowing that we will be raised together with Him and we will be with the Lord forever. What a blessing it is to know this truth. May you encourage our hearts today as we leave this place. Help us, Lord, all to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord with joy in our hearts, knowing that soon we will ever be with the Lord. And it says, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And so we ask your blessing upon us as we part. And thank you for all the blessings that we have in Christ. In his worthy and precious name, amen.